Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. StrikeDeck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The StrikeDeck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Heyer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. I'm really excited about today's interview with Donna Weber, the principal at Springboard Solutions. They're a consulting company that focuses on helping companies create amazing onboarding experiences. Speaking of which, today we'll be talking about how you can build an orchestrated onboarding journey for your customers. Donna, thanks so much for joining us today. Kristen, it's a real pleasure. As you know, I always love talking with you. Well, I always think it's interesting to learn how people landed in customer success. You came out of customer education, uh, which is one I haven't heard before. So can you tell us a little bit more about your journey into the field of customer success? Absolutely. I have been building customer engagement, customer enablement, customer adoption programs for a long time, long before it was ever called customer success. And at all the companies I've worked at, I've always been the one flying the flag for the customers. Hello, you know, what about the customers as senior leaders are talking about, <laughs> yeah. about, hey, we need to do more sales, more marketing. And I was, you know, long even before we had SaaS. Hey, what about the customers? So that's always been my focus. Okay. And then when SaaS became the norm, as customer education leaders, we realized we had to measure something bigger than butts and seats and really look at how we can impact the business bottom line and realize we, we had the impact. So um, so about probably about eight years ago, started seeing how we really needed to look at the bigger picture of customer success. And then about four years ago, at my previous company, I saw a gap where uh, we weren't really owning that relationship with the customer. So I jumped in and built a customer success manager program and an orchestrated onboarding journey from scratch, all while doing my day job as the head of worldwide education services. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, that's a lot to accomplish yeah, <laughs> when, a lot you, of fun. when you have a day job. <laughs> yeah, It was a lot of fun and I learned a lot. That's cool. So customer onboarding is an area that is often extreme. I find that when we go in and talk with our customers, it's either an area that's really great or it's really terrible. And you and I got together a couple of weeks ago and we were sharing stories about companies we've seen and the areas where they frequently fail their customers during onboarding. We'll get into some details later in the interview, but before we dive in, why is this onboarding phase of the customer lifecycle so critical in your opinion? Well, it is critical. And what I'm seeing with the companies I work with, there's this, um, you know, there's a lot of excitement around customer success and everyone's kind of running around going, we got to do customer success, but don't really know what they're doing. Uh, with one company, they have customer success managers, but they're really renewal reps engaging in the last 60 days. 
And so many companies don't have any onboarding. They just hope that customers figure it out once the product's sold. Yet McKinsey indicates that onboarding is a top priority, that it's as important. It ties with the the biggest, most important part of the the customer experience with the product experience. So it ties with product experience. And, um, and then other, other data shows that poor onboarding is the biggest cause of churn. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think companies still, even though we're all talking customer success, there's this addiction to the new logos. You know, it's so exciting to ring the bell when you get yeah. a new logo. And so there's still so much focus there. And, um, and, and, and companies are really missing that opportunity to, to engage customers and get them onboarded immediately. And in addition, you know, we, we use hope as a strategy. And, and I saw this at my previous company, and I see this at, at companies I work with that we, you know, at my previous company, we had great post-sales, customer-facing services and programs and offerings, yet nobody was really tying that together to, to pull the customer along the journey. We, we just kind of, you know, um, hoped, hoped they'd figure it out and then didn't, bo- you know, wouldn't bother us and then renew. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh yeah that that hope piece is is kind of um funny. I mean not funny but funny. <laughs> tragic <laughs> tragic comedy. Yeah, exactly. So what do you see as the biggest problem areas across the onboarding process in most organizations? Well, um as I said, quite often there's no onboarding strategy and so let's start with um what I often see is uh, the, the, the products sold and then the internal teams dive into the technical weeds with the project, the product implementation. So there's no real handoff. It's like, bam, you're into the technical weeds, the bits and bytes, nobody discussing business outcomes, nobody discussing, you know, roles, responsibilities, accountability. So, um, so, and then another area I see is that the CSMs, they have this very much a one-to-one relationship and they're single-handedly trying to onboard customers, train them, log in, and uh, resolve all the support tickets. So it's just not right. scalable. Yeah. So th- those are those are the big areas where I see that um, that there are issues. You know, back to that addiction of the new new logos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tara Nicole Nelson, who's the author of the Transformational Consumer, says that. Companies are so focused on getting new customers. They're spending all this money on generating new disengaged customers and that it's like pouring champagne down the bathtub without a stopper. So, you know, as you know, Kristen, it costs more money to get that initial customer than to keep it, you know, existing customers engaged and renewing. There's so much momentum around that, trying to generate new disengaged customers. Yeah, I think um, the stats I've seen on that are that it's four to seven. I think I even saw a stat where it said it was nine times more expensive to go get a new customer than to keep an existing one and to sell them more stuff. So it is crazy to put, I mean, you've got to go get new logos, but I think, um, you know, putting solid effort into making sure your existing ones are are happy is also money well spent (laughs) (laughs) as we're going to discuss in the rest of the interview. So Donna, when we were talking the other day, one of the things we agreed on is that there are multiple things going on during onboarding and that different people should be handling different things. So who do you see as both the internal and external stakeholders during this onboarding phase and what should they be doing? 
Absolutely. So, uh, you know, some some companies are working with the CSMs as handling onboarding. Other teams are having specific onboarding teams. So, um, you know, regardless of who's doing it, I believe that handoffs are key to continue the relationship established with the pre-sales. At, at this year's Gainsight Pulse Conference, I saw a slide that was saying, you know, companies buy... Customers buy your product for about, you know, it was like 20, 30% because of your product. And it was over 50% because of the relationship. And and right. I was wondering, was that, you know, pre-sales relationship or post-sales relationship? And, you know, in a way, it doesn't matter. The main thing is it's critical that we continue the relationship. Right. So, um, and I believe that the handoff actually consists of two components. So it's not just a, hey, you know, hey, customer here, we're going to go from from your sales rep to your CSM. There needs to be an internal handoff as well as an external handoff. Mm -hmm. So with an internal handoff, you know, you might be logging everything in the system, but even if you're talking, you know, having an actual meeting, talking to um, the internal teams to learn not just what was sold and, you know, why they bought it, but, you know, what were the pain points? What were the personalities? You know, anything that they can share to pass that relationship on. It's not just about the product. It's about the relationship. And then on the external side, on the customer side, it's not just, you know, saying, okay, customer, you're going to work with these people now. But oftentimes the people that the sales reps are selling to are completely different from those who are going to be using the product and implementing the product. At larger companies, the sales rep might be dealing with a procurement team. And then when it gets sold, they're just told that, you know, the users or the implementation team are just told to use it or implement it. And they're not, they haven't been part of the whole business goals and objectives. So the alignment on the customer side is just as important as the alignment on the internal side so that they understand what the desired business outcomes are, the objectives. They can hear that from their business sponsor. So on the on that, you know, internally having, you know, pre-sales reps, sales engineers, CSMs, implementation teams for the internal handoff. And then for the, the, the handoff with the customer, that would include the business owner, stakeholder, sponsor, et cetera, as well as the implementation team. Yeah, I think that understanding um, why they're being asked to do a project on the customer side is so critical. I see um, so many implementation teams, customer side implementation teams, where they're really um, not very engaged with the project. And it's because no one ever told them why it was important. <laughs> you it's, know? Amazing, it's amazingly you know, obvious and simple, yet is you know it's, it's often overlooked yeah and so you know just people people knowing why they're doing the work they're doing is is so important so that they can be engaged and and understand why it's important and it's more likely that your project will not get derailed if you make sure that happens so um I, i'm glad you mentioned that um, you also mentioned an executive or a buyer as a, a key stakeholder. How do you make sure that the relationship with that person isn't lost in the tactical, technical shuffle of onboarding? Well, that's why, you know, th that is a big issue. And that's why having that handoff, it might be a 15-minute meeting, but mm -hmm. having that handoff to to get clear on the, with, the, with the business sponsor why the product was purchased, what the goals are, get those documented and aligned making sure everyone's on the same team, and then setting expectations up front about quarterly business reviews and other ways of being accountable. Um, you know, when you set that all up front, then you can, can refer to that. 
Yeah, I think especially with long implementations, one thing that we recommend our customers do, and I think you do this too, is that somebody's owning that executive level relationship throughout onboarding. Um, you know, it, it's one thing if it's a two-week implementation process and it's really fast, you can kind of hold off on those exact conversations until the onboarding is done. But if if it's a six-month implementation and onboarding, you know, takes a while for your organization due to technology or whatever, I think it's really important that that you know, that relationship with the executive continue throughout mm. that so that it's not just sort of like, hey, we sold you something and now we're going to drop you for the next six months while we mm. build while we build the thing you bought. Um, you know, it's very easy for people to become disengaged during that period of time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think that's, that's important too. Um, another area I see lots of room for improvement, you kind of um, mentioned this already, it, is that handoff from sales to customer success and the kickoff with the client. What can customer success teams do to create a smoother handoff? Because it's not just them, it's also the sales team. Exactly. Well, um, I like to document, define and document that handoff very specifically with agendas, scripts, you know, email templates, and then build out fields in the, in the CRM or system of record, and especially with sales needing to set that accountability from management that this is, you know, deal's not closed until the, the handoff is done. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, and re- that needs to come from the top. That needs to be part of that that whole process. So having that buy-in from management and having a, a very specific defined process rather than going, oh, yeah, there was a handoff. <laughs> yeah. When you say buy-in for management, do you mean both the sales management team and the CS management team? Yes, absolutely. I think that the uh, buy-in from sales management is often more critical because because uh, they, you know they're always off to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. What have you have you had? I guess just to kind of give the audience some examples that are practical on on what they can do here with that. How, do you have an example you could share of how a CS leader successfully went and engaged somebody in sales to um, get them on board with this handoff? Well, yes. Working, you know, at my previous company, we built mm-hmm. out all the required fields in in Salesforce, and so mm-hmm. an opportunity cannot be closed until that handoff field was checked. Okay, and so you worked on that together with your head of sales. Yes. Okay, got it. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with the rest of the interview in a minute. Today, I'd like to talk about one type of consulting engagement we offer at the Success League. Customer success deep dives last between three days and two weeks and are focused on helping companies plan a customer success program tailored to their organization. Common deep dive topics include metrics and goals, hiring and compensation, customer journey mapping, and segmentation. Each deep dive session includes concrete deliverables, like business models and annual plans that you can quickly put to use. If you need help with planning for 2019, a deep dive engagement is a great way to kickstart your efforts. Visit the consulting page on our website, thesuccessleague.io, for more information. I also want to mention StrikeDeck's new Customer 360 template. This free download is the best way to figure out if you're ready for a customer success tool. It is an automated spreadsheet that will help you keep track of all your current customers, generating an individual health score for each one. 
Quick reports can be easily developed through the Analytics tab, and tasks can be tracked on the Task Manager. If you're looking for a quick, simple to use, yet robust solution for your CS needs, StrikeDeck's Customer 360 template is the tool for you. Download your copy today at strikedeck.com. And now back to our interview. So not all of the time, but frequently, implementation is a real project. Sometimes it takes months of back and forth to get a customer to their go-live date. How can this project be effectively managed to improve that critical time-to-value metric for customers? Well, as you and I know, the first 90 days are critical. So what do you do when a project is not implemented in the first 90 days? (laughs) Yeah. And and my previous company, it might take six months. The product was super technical. So there might be a six-month implementation, 12 months, sometimes even 18 months. So I worked with the customer success team, um, and we built out a success blueprint. And within that, we defined milestones and deliverables and quick wins within those critical first 90 days. So maybe you, uh, you know, you can't fully implement the product in the first 90 days, but what can you do to start demonstrating value? So that's critical to demonstrate value to the customer. Mm -hmm. And then also within the customer for them to demonstrate value and celebrate wins with their teams and with their business sponsors. With one of my uh, the companies I'm working with, we were talking about, hey, you know, how can we get to a quick win in the first 10 days? And they were saying, hey, how about logging in? Logging hey. into the product is not a quick win. <laughs> so uh, we decided that a quick win could be helping them build their first report, which okay. gives insights. And the key thing for that their product was alerts. Hey, now we're getting alerts, and you know, and and we're demonstrating some value. And once we get alerts, we can make changes and save time and money. I think that's a great example. Thanks for sharing that. So one thing I get a lot of questions about, and I'm sure you do as well, how can you leverage content, things like tutorials or articles or videos during the implementation process? Should you do that or is that too impersonal? Um, This is a three-part question. (laughs) What benefits are gained from leveraging that kind of content? Well, this is my background, the the run-to-many model of engaging, enabling customers, getting them to adopt your product. And as I said earlier, all too often I see companies trying to onboard customers with this one-to-one approach, and that is not scalable. One of the companies I work with, they had their sales engineers doing a product overview. Here's how to log in. Here's how to navigate the product, which you know blew my mind because that is like one of the most expensive resources. Mm-hmm. And CSMs need to be strategic advisors, not delivering basic training, basic repeatable tasks over and over. So if you want to scale, I really don't recommend using CSMs as trainers. So with, with content that comes from support, support articles, knowledge articles, and customer education, you can really build that enablement at scale. And it's a one-to-many model. So you can, it doesn't have to be only in personal tech touch uh, with, with um, delivering customer education courses. You, that can be a more of a lower touch and that's still a one-to-many model. And it can be woven into an onboarding journey where there are high touch, low touch and tech touch um, you know, opportunities. And it can be very customized as well. So I, I, I would never think that that's impersonal. Yeah. In addition, you can be more role-based. So what I often see are CSMs are going, hey, let me show you everything about the product. And it's more of a show and tell, but it's not really telling the customer how to do their jobs. Whereas customer education is all about 
you know, user outcomes, use use cases. It's really not, it's not, it shouldn't be about features functionality. It should be, you know, hey, Kristen, I'm here to teach you how to be a rock star using our product is that the tool, the product is a tool to their success. Mm-hmm. And then also hands-on. So when you do this show and tell, okay, Kristen, I showed you everything about the product, but retention is only around 30% when you see a demo. However, when you get that hands-on experience, which generally customer education more is that hands-on with the labs, then the retention goes up to 70 to 80%. And then that's going to reduce the load on CSM teams and support because customers are really learning and not just getting a, a, you know, a data dump when they buy the product. Okay. So Donna, something I'm asked by CSMs a lot, how do you hold customers accountable for their role in onboarding? Often they need to supply data, graphics, approvals. How do you get them to do that in a timely manner? Well, I, I agree that that is a challenge. And as we said earlier, having that those those expectations set up front, especially with a business business sponsor about yeah. the accountability, that you know that's part of it. Setting those expectations up front. When the CSM is jumping in, like doing everything, then. Um, that's not setting the right expectations. It's like, hey, we're going to do everything for you. And then uh, one of the companies I'm working with, I talked to their customers, and one of the customers told me that they want to be held accountable. They want to know what they need to do. They want it tracked somewhere. It would help everyone be successful and mean that they don't have to figure it out on their own. So um, at Pulse, one of the sessions I attended, they talked about having having like the challenger mentality working with customers uh, that, you know, pre-sales, the sales rep can be challengers, but the CSMs can be challengers too and be, you know, really drive that this is where we're going together rather than letting the customer lead you. Yeah, I think and uh, absolutely be challengers. Everyone should be challengers. I think customers <laughs> appreciate that. Um, one, yeah. th- one thing that I was going to mention that I think helps too, and is something people should consider in this area is that it's really easy in customer success to kind of be in the mindset because we know our own implementation projects so well that, you know, if we say something at the kickoff call that we're going to need from the customer, that they're going to remember that they need to give it to us. And I think repetition is key. Like just because a customer heard it one time does not mean they're going to remember it even one week later that they're going to have to give you that. So if you can have kind of a regular cadence of, hey, I want to remind you that we have this approval coming up or that we need this piece of artwork from you or whatever it is. If you can be reminding people several times, that's going to make you more successful. That that proactive reminding of customers means that they're more likely to get you what you need. And it's not bugging them to do that. It's Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, we think that we're the only vendor that the that, that the customers working with that we, we might be one of a whole portfolio. And absolutely, I, yeah. Ideally, we there is a you know online tool like customer success platforms have a way to assign tasks to customers. Could be a shared spreadsheet mm-hmm. um, online, but a way that you are actually assigning tasks or tracking project progress and um, and able to you know really indicate who who needs to deliver what and when. Yeah, 
we do this actually for our own projects at the Success League. So if we're doing a bigger project for a client, we use Agile methodology. So we have sprints. And for every sprint, we call out, hey, this is what happened in the last sprint. This is what's going to happen in the next sprint. And here's what we need from you. And yeah, yeah, and that just weekly reminder of, hey, this is what we're going to need from you is seems to be enough to to get it most most of the time. Well, that's <laughs> not not all of the time, but yeah. most of the time. So I think, you know, that that regular cadence of communication mm-hmm. and reminders is helpful to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that at this point, we have a number of audience members who are like, oh my gosh, this totally resonates with me. And they're rethinking their onboarding process. So if someone wants to really dial in onboarding inside their own organization, how would you recommend that they get started on that? Well, too often I see internal teams start building out something without talking to customers. So I always recommend the first thing is talk or actually listen to customers, find out what they want and need. They might be working with other vendors where they have a great experience or a poor experience that we can learn from. So the first step is always listening to customers. And then if you want to get started in a more agile way, you might map out the first 10 days or the first 30 days the first 60 days. It doesn't have to be like this whole long 90 days. And as I said before, defining the handoffs, the agendas, the workflows, building playbooks where you really define who does what, when, and how, and keeping that tracked somewhere, getting that management buy-in to keep teams accountable. You know, one of my, um, one of the companies I've worked with, they, they, um, they build out this great plan and I'm like, Oh, that looks awesome. You know, is that going to be implemented in two weeks, two years? And they said, well, probably 20 years because, <laughs> because they didn't have management buy-in and you yeah. know, you build out as many playbooks as you like, but if you don't have the buy-in, because this needs to be an orchestrated onboarding journey. It's not a one person job. Mm-hmm. It really is, you know, providing that seamless customer experience. And then you don't have to roll it out for everyone all at once. So you can pilot it with a small segment of accounts or maybe one product and you know, as you mentioned, be agile. So uh, get something out there. It might be one small segment for the first 10 days and get it out there, see what you learn, and then improve it and iterate that process. Very cool. I like it. Practical. Um, last question, and I know you listen to the podcast, so you know what's coming. Um, <laughs> what do you see as the biggest trend in our field right now and why? Well, I'm glad you asked that. See, in April, I attended two Two conferences, Gainsight's Pulse mm-hmm. Customer Success Conference, and then the Customer Education Leadership Conference. And I saw three emerging trends that I'm excited about. So one is customer success is greater than the customer success manager. I, I've got to tell you, Kristen, I've been going to Pulse for four years. And you know, the first few years, all I heard was people talking about CSMs and having been in the customer enablement space for so many years, I was just, I was just, you know, like, what am I, chop liver? (laughs) That was just made. So I'm so excited to hear. And it wasn't just at um, Allison Pickens keynote. It was several times The CS is greater than the CSM. And it's not just the job of one role, as I've been saying, um, as we've been talking that it's, you know, we must integrate across the organization. And too often, you know, we're, we're trying to throw everything at the CSM. And then when a customer churns, we scapegoat the CSM. So it's really customer success is everyone's job. And it's not, not just about what one person does. It's about that orchestrated journey. Yeah. 
And it's up to us to provide that orchestrated journey and not wait for the customers to figure that out. The next trend is prescriptive customer success. And it's basically what we've been saying. Rather than using hope as a strategy, we define the customer journey. They don't have to figure it out. We take them along the journey with the best practices that we know best. And, um, you know, sometimes some companies I see, oh, you know, every, every customer's unique. And, um, and I like to call BS on that because there is some foundation where, you know, all the customers need to be brought along some onboarding journey. And you can define, you can define some of that before you, you go off into the, everything being custom and tailored. Absolutely. And then the third trend I'm excited about is the focus on adoption because it really pulls together the three trends. So we're not just focusing on the focusing on the technology, but it's on the relationship. It's on really getting customers successful at their job using our products. So the adoption part is key that um, uh, I have a quote here from Thomas Law, the executive director at TSIA. Today's customers are less focused on product features and more on how the technology will lead them to improved business outcomes. Yeah, I think the business outcomes piece is so critical. And I think um, that's an area where we spend a lot of time at the Success League is, is really training CS folks to think about not just outcomes that are created by their solution, but business outcomes that are created by their solution. And there's a difference. So, um, so I appreciate you bringing that up. And I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the podcast today. This is such a critical topic. And I know our listeners really appreciated your perspective and advice and practical tips. So thanks very much. Thank you, Kristen. As you know, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. If you want to learn more, I'm at Springboard Solutions and my website is springboardin.com. And I'm at Donna at springboardin.com. Great. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. 